0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan Miley and this is DCI number 74. In this episode Brian and I get to talk to Tom Catola, who is the CTO of Lightshot. We got to talk to Tom earlier in December uh, but the Kickstarter for Lightshot which is also the name of the uh, the product that they're coming out with That's actually happening right about now, and so uh, to forego this being lost and all the holiday craziness, we bring to you our interview with with Tom. We had a great talk. For me, it sounds like an awesome laser tag uh, gadget. But it sounds like there's a whole lot more to it as well. But I mean, come on, laser tag. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. For more information about Lightshot, check out darkstation.com. In the show notes of this episode, you can see links to their Kickstarter page, YouTube, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. Check it out there. You can always follow us on Twitter, We're Darkstation underscore com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And of course, if you would leave us a review, we would love to know what you think of the show. Finally, you can subscribe. Send us an email at podcast at darkstation Now, thank you for listening and on with the show. For joining us today, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Good, good. Uh, now, before uh, we we kind of got started with the interview, you mentioned that you've been playing some some Dragon Age. So I know I just said that we're not here to talk about Dragon Age, uh, but what is it like trying to play video games in the midst of building you know your own product? It doesn't seem like it would leave a lot of time.
1: <laughs> it, it it does not, no. Which is part of the reason why I was just stating that I just got to Skyhold and I've had it since launch day. So uh, <laughs> I am slowly playing it, uh, and and I often feel guilty when I do play it because there's always a giant backlog of things that I need to get done. Sure. So, um, but I know I can't complete all of them. So you know, and at, at some point I need to decompress. Um, you know, I, in general I play a lot of games games are an important part of my uh life so um yeah i i, I try and always put in get a little bit of, you know personal me time and that generally involves playing some games
0: awesome awesome
1: um
0: now before you got started working with uh with light shots uh, you were actually in the uh the games industry for a number of years uh when did you get into the the games industry
1: Um, So I got into the games industry when I was very young and now uh, a long time ago. So it was uh, 20 years ago. Okay. uh, And I got hired at Activision when I was 17. So uh, I ended up... Yeah, uh, that was my first video game job. And uh, after Activision, I went over to Sony and and worked on the original PlayStation. And so I I got to... uh, Work on one game for the Super Nintendo right before that platform died uh, at Activision, before moving on to you know the the first generation of 3D consoles, hmm. and f- from the moment that I got into the industry, it was you know I knew that that, that was something that I wanted to uh, do, and I've been doing it for 20 years, and I love doing it, so I have not left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you are currently working on on
0: Lightshot, and you're the the CTO, correct? That is correct. Yes, right, so I'm, uh,
1: engineered by trade.
0: Okay, so so what kind of uh, I guess marked the the transition from you know a purely digital game to, to something that you can hold and are playing
1: outside with with people and stuff like that. You know the, the story. The way I like to explain it is you know if if you sort of go back in time, uh, let's say back to the year two thousand, uh, and asked people, you know, if I could give you a magical device that has you know, more processing power than what you have on your you know, workstation at work or at home with a higher resolution than what you can get on your TV and GPS and all the other stuff that comes in you know, with your phone yeah. and I so said what kind of games do you think you'll, you'll be playing on this system? Uh, the, the first thing out of people's mouths will probably not be you know casual games while I wait in line um, is probably not the answer that's going to come out of their mouth, and and so I've always felt that there was an opportunity for mobile to be a lot more than just sort of casual play. Mm. Not that I, you know, dislike it. I certainly play a lot of those games myself, and there's a time and place for that. But I always felt like that there's such an opp- lost opportunity for. The fact that, that you have all this processing power, you can make some truly great games, and you can move around at the same time, you're not just locked staring at a screen, that somebody really needs to do something with that. And then that's what we're trying to do uh, with Lightshot. Very cool,
0: very cool. Um, now, how long have you guys actually been working on Lightshot?
1: Uh, it's been about 18 months. I came on a little after that. Uh, I used to used to be the technical director for the uh, studio that Disney had here in the Chicago area, and Disney had some layoffs, and they ended up shutting down our studio, and soon after that, I met Mark, and so I have been with the company for about a year.
0: Okay. Very cool. Uh, Do you know how the kind of idea of Lightshot came to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been... The the story holds true for the both of us, but in in Mark's case, he was specifically, you know, he likes, he he has kids, and he likes playing games with his kids, and he likes doing things with his kids, And but one of the things that he always thought was, you know, missing from this is, you know, they would go somewhere, and, you know, his kids are sitting there staring at their phone screen, and so he was thinking, there's got to be more to it than this, Mm -hmm. and that was when you know, sort of what inspired LightShot, and then he and I ended up meeting, and he and I have a very, very similar mindset. Uh, you know, I, I always felt like there was this missing potential on mobile, mm-hmm. and that was essentially the, the start of LightShot.
0: Very cool. Now, from from what I've read about LightShots, um, one thing comes to mind, and that is, that is laser tag on a
1: large scale. How far off am I? Um, you know, laser tag is a very specific thing. It's, uh, you know, it, it, we share an infrared transmitter and an infrared red receiver, and to some extent that's, uh, you know, we have that in common, but sort of laser tag has always just been everybody against everybody, sort of a free for all. There's no scorekeeping. You're really sort of limited in what you can do. You can shoot a sensor and it blinks a light and that, that's really about it. You can do a little bit more than that. But it hasn't ever been anything, it's been a very individual gameplay, it's never been sort of team based. And with Lightshot, since we have some of those same sensors, but we also pair with the phone, now you can do much more advanced sorts of gameplay. So if you've played a first person shooter where they have a domination mode where people are capturing different points and you have two teams and they're trying to hold on to them to score points. That's not something that you could easily do with laser tag, but that is exactly what Lightshot is built for. So you can now set up geo boundaries where you are allowed to play and where hits will actually register. You can do it team based. You can have you know portals that you want to capture. All of these things are easily possible with with Lightshot and what we've done. It's it's really. Uh, everything that your phone can do as well as all the sensors that we have in the device and we hope that we future-proofed it as well since it's using uh, Bluetooth smart to talk to your phone if, say, Apple comes out with some new device that has some great new feature then we'll be able to very easily support it and you don't have to buy new hardware from us. Nice.
2: So unlike unlike a laser tag where the... Um... The, the The point is the the laser light gun as it were um this is the, the it's more of a tool here in order to facilitate the actual the point of the game itself, whether that be like capture the you know like capture the point or like a domination mode or even or something greater
1: than that right right and we actually have we've been working with uh, the co creators of humans versus zombies and they they designed a game for us uh, that that's called invasion and in In the Invasion game, it's a, um, and this is going to be, you'll have to use your imagination because I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's a tower defense game that's cooperative that you play with your friends, but you play it in the real world. And so in that game, for example, you can transfer supplies from one player to another using the light shot peripherals as opposed to shooting them and killing them. So there is you know, a whole array of, of different new kinds of gameplay that have just not been possible before. And you know, I think I feel like we've just sort of scratched the tip of the iceberg with it, and that's part of the reason why we're an open platform and other people are also able to make games for the light, light shot system because we know that we're not infallible and we can't think of everything, much less have the time to develop everything. And so we've really sort of embraced the open model of letting people make their own games on our system as well as using our games. Uh, and, and they're able, able to you know, sell their own games as well. So you know we're hoping that we really become a platform for people playing games in the real world. So I was looking at the descriptions
2: of the different peripherals. Or rather, like, is it... So they... Okay, let me do it this way. Um, so it <laughs> listed gun, wand, sounds normal... Almost like a phaser type thing also and then there's sword. <laughs> Let's talk about this laser
1: sword for a second. <laughs> What's going on here? You know th- how that, is that working? <laughs> the the peripherals are the They generally speaking don 't add at the moment any new functionality to the product, so they really are just sort of a form factor for for the the lighter, which is the transmitter. Mm-hmm. so the lighter fits inside the gun and now you have something that looks like a you know a, a laser gun that you can pull the trigger, and so it has a much better form factor for if you 're doing something like a first person shooter. Uh, the, the wand there 's accelerometers in the device too, which is what you can use the wand for. those same accelerometers are also used when you use the light dagger or the light sword but they're really the sword and the dagger are meant to be primarily uh, a cosmetic peripheral as opposed to a functional one so we 're hoping that people aren't hitting each other with these <laughs> <laughs> but you know we, we um you know we're trying to it, Part of our the, the crowd that we 're trying to get involved and in, that we 're embracing are people who are involved in say the Larkin community, and so they 'll run around with swords and do sword fighting and and that 's really who the sort of audience that this this peripheral is aimed for so it 's not meant to uh, actually be hitting people with uh... that, that makes sense
0: H- hitting people with swords is probably not the uh, the best first. Step.
1: <laughs> right. It's the best use for a sword. That is what Abs- I mean. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, if we want our customers to buy more products, then we probably should not be uh, making swords for them to actually hit each other with. So uh,
0: Now, you mentioned that uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an open platform for other people to be able to make games for. Is that... If they were to, to make a game for it, is that something that you would just get from the app store? Do you have like your own repository of stores? You go into the the Lightshot app,
1: and the the games are available there. How does how does that kind of work? So the the applications themselves run on your mobile phone, so they would be you know coming from the Apple iOS app store or from Google Play or however you decide to distribute it. And then the services that we offer are sort of like guilds and clans and, mm-hmm. you know, a friends list and, and badges and this sort of stuff is what is uh, through the LightShot platform, but we don't distribute the apps directly. Okay. So, you know, we may have uh, a list of compatible apps and then link to where you can get them in the store, but it's we're not uh, distributing the apps directly. Okay. Now.
0: Obviously, this has a you know a lot of implications for um you know more more physical types of of play outside running around whether it's you know capture the flag or uh, assassin or you know uh, laser tag any number of those kind of things. Have you worked with any more kind of I guess traditional video games? Uh, is there any kind of functionality
1: towards that end? Um, I guess. Could, I'm not sure what you mean by that question. Uh, so, um, like a
2: like a Wii
1: light gun or something. Like yeah, that? well, I mean, yeah, I guess uh,
0: more like a, a, a Wii light gun or something like that. Something that you would use the the light shot in conjunction with something that you would play on, you know, an Xbox or a PlayStation or, or something like that.
1: Um, you know, we don't have any plans for attaching, you know, working directly with consoles. It's certainly something that we're open to. Um, sure. we could in theory support anything that uses the Bluetooth smart protocol. So as long as it has Bluetooth smart, uh, we could certainly write software for it, uh, that would uh, allow you to use it with something like a traditional console. Uh, you know, it, there are a number of those peripherals out there already and so that's not really where our our expertise lies or what we're aiming for so you know that that, that would kind of be a um you know a, a nice benefit i suppose but it isn't really our our specific target okay cool yeah we're really trying to get people out of the house and away from having to stare at the tv sure which, um you know, I I love playing games on my TV, and and there's a time and place for that. But there's you know, we also feel like there's a time and place for you know being able to run around run around outside. Um, you know, here here in Chicago we have cold winters, so when the summer and is is when it's the summer and the sun is out and the weather's nice, you know, it's nice to actually go outside. But that doesn't mean <laughs> I still don't want to play games. So to be able to combine those two is a you know something that's very appealing to me. Sure,
0: absolutely. Now, I the I, I have to ask this one question and this is really just kind of a side note. Um I, I saw on the website where it mentions that um yeah, you it know, works great with Assassin. Uh but I've been out of college for a number of years now and I don't know what that is.
1: Okay. <laughs> what is so, Assassin? <laughs> so Assassin's a game that has been played uh you know, it was traditionally called Assassin, but it's been played on college campuses for the last, say, thirty or so years. Um, and it, it's been around in various forms. Sometimes it's called Gotcha. Um, I think that, that was there's actually a movie based on it at that in the early '80s uh, hmm. by that name. And the premise of the game is that you and a bunch of your friends would decide that you're going to play assassin, and everybody in the uh, group who's playing gets assigned a target, somebody who they need to uh, assassinate. And this is usually done with a Nerf gun. And they need to assassinate their target, and there can't be any witnesses, is is the rule. And so you have some amount of time, say, you know, 24 hours, to find who your target is and assassinate them with no witnesses. Now, the target doesn't know who their assassin is. And so if you get your target, then that gets registered with whoever is running the game, and then your next target will be whoever you just killed their previous target now becomes your target and the clock resets hmm. um, and so this has been a real life game that people play uh, on on college campuses but one of the challenges with it is, is that you need to have sort of a gamekeeper referee player who that's the person who gets notified hey I shot this guy with a nerf gun you know hopefully he doesn't contest it you say yes there really were no witnesses and then he tells you who your next target is and is trying to keep track of the timers and and it, it's, it's required quite a bit of coordination and so sure. this is the seemed like a great game for us to take something that already existed that uh, has quite a few players who played it at various points and you know in, in their lives and would be familiar to people and was something that was ripe for having something automate all of that all of those rules and so that's what we've done with our first product Nice. And, along those lines we've also found that that was very very difficult uh... to coordinate quickly right getting large groups of people together is is normally tough and so we actually made a what a two-player version of assassin um... which has a slightly different rule set so in our fast paced uh... version of assassin two players would start and there's a thirty second timer and when that timer counts down to zero one of you is going to be the assassin and one of you is the target for one minute and if the assassin gets their target in that one minute then the assassin gets the point if the target lives for the whole minute the target gets the point and then the roles reverse and so this continues for four rounds and then whoever scores the most points is the winner and this this is really fun this is what we've been demoing at uh, various conferences and so you know people will come up to our booth and we'll explain it to them and i'll set them up with the hardware and then they say, okay, so the game's going to start, so what do we do now? And I say, you know, I would suggest you guys run away from each other. Right? <laughs> one of you's going to be killing you. away now. <laughs> and so they, they run in different directions, and then, you know, as I'm talking to whoever and explaining the rules to the next person in line, I'll see one guy run in one direction with somebody chasing him, and then, you know, a few seconds later, I see them go in the other direction because now the roles are reversed, and, you know, people end up coming back with big smiles on their faces and all sweaty from having run around, so... Um, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun demoing this to people and giving them a chance to sort of play it. And so if you see us at any of the various conventions, we'll be at, you know, South by Southwest and we're going to try and go out to PAX and the Game Developers Conference. And so, you know, we always have the hardware with us and so we are always try to run games and let people just experience what it's actually like to play uh, a game not on a screen, you know. And, and it, it's pretty funny seeing, you know, a, a adult age people playing games as if they were kids again. And, you know, that's really what we're trying to do. Hmm. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Is the
2: hardware available for purchase right now?
1: We're going to be doing our Kickstarter starts on January. Oh, okay, rockets! And so on January 6th, we're going to be selling the hardware on our Kickstarter. So we have some early prototype units right now. And um, and then we're going to be going into full manufacturing right around the time of the Kickstarter. So you'll be able to buy them at the start of next year, right after the holidays, uh, on our Kickstarter page.
0: Nice. what's the uh price point uh,
1: that a game what we call a player kit, which is a uh, the receiver and the transmitter so it's it's basically the gun and the sensor uh that is going to be priced at around 150 dollars okay we're trying to bring the price down but uh that's sort of dependent on there being quantity so we're hoping you know as we move forward we'll be able to g- get the price down but uh th- that's what it's going to be at on the kickstarter
0: okay is that going to be uh um, now obviously i mean you, you want to bring it down because that's that's what everyone always wants to do get it in the <laughs> most people's hands um but is is that going to be a kind of special backer price? Uh, if you get it in on the you know Kickstarter, you get it up for one hundred and fifty. Is it is it more after Kickstarter ends?
1: Um, th- there's going to that... be various tiers. Like I okay. don't I, the, the specific packages uh, we're still in the process of determining sure, those. Sure. So people who are willing to deal with earlier hardware, there will be a tier for them to be able to get early hardware. Um, the Kickstarter backers really get the advantage of getting the hardware early and we're trying to sort of embrace the community and have everybody involved as we continue to develop products for this. So it's really an opportunity for people who have a similar viewpoint as us and want to play games to be able to actually get involved with the product and be able to influence the direction in which it goes. And that that's really what we we're hoping to get with the Kickstarter is just to, to see how many other people are interested in what we're doing and and get their feedback and opinions, right? Because, you know, you never know when you're the only one who likes things a particular way. So it, it, it's one of those um, want to try and get people involved and get feedback. And, you know, before we start making a massive number of units it's still relatively easy to make changes so being able to get that sort of feedback and iteration from people is is exciting. Mhm. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very One of cool. that you know that I think differentiates us too and this goes back to sort of the open platform uh, that we talked about before is is that you know if if It takes us a while to get products out, and we're hoping that other people are going to be also making games for our system. We've got some people who are making games for the system. But this is something that we are going to be very open about, so people can 3D print their own peripherals if they want. Uh, We're open about all of the hardware. We're going to be releasing the APIs if they want to make their own games. And we're also working on a a higher-level toolkit, sort of like a visual design toolkit. So, you know, you won't necessarily get all the fancy graphics uh, for your app. But that way, if you have you know whatever rules that you w- will work well in your neighborhood with your friends that you want to try out, that there will be an easy way for you to set it up and run games that way as well. So it's not something that's just for you know hardcore game developers or programmers. That's cool because once you, I I
2: can imagine that, that once you kind of you know put hands on it and and you get it into people's houses, for them to kind of run out of stuff would be a real death knell. So the ability to create uh, beyond what's provided uh, sounds like a real big deal here.
1: Yeah, that, that's important. And then the other thing, you know, we noticed it very early on when we would talk to people about, you know, if, if they played, uh, you, you know, Ditch or Capture the Flag when they were kids. Um, people who grew up in different parts of the country had different variations on the rules and how they... Oh, those it's, being- all, it's
2: all house rules, <laughs> like right.
1: Monopoly. Yeah, it's exactly. It's all
2: house rules. There like,
1: are rules to Monopoly? You know... Yes. <laughs> Who am I to dictate how people are going to be able to play this game? And, you know, I live in Chicago where it's relatively dense. So if I say, you know, in the case of Assassin, our mission times are very short. That works very well if you can get from one place to another very quickly. But then if, you know, I grew up in California where everything's, you know, Los Angeles, everything's an hour-long commute. Um, doing, you know, mission times that are in the minutes doesn't work quite as well. And, you know, we can't possibly anticipate all of those things. So we're really trying to give people the flexibility to be able to modify the the rules and gameplay styles for what works where they are playing. So will you be able to take just kind of like a
0: one game and, and sort of change those rules? Or will you be having to build
1: a, a game from the ground up? Um... That depends. Our games, we will probably be releasing uh, the source code, at least for some of them, so okay. that people have a base in which they can start, um, you know, if they want to modify the rules. And we're also going to try making, you know, in the case of Assassin, there will be when you set up the game, you're going to get various options. You don't have to go in and program stuff to, you know, just change mission times. Um, but in general, we're trying to be as open about the platform as possible because this is you know, new ground uh, that that we're going on. You know, uh, mobile games have been done for a while, but in, in, not running around in the real world. There's a few exceptions, you know, Shadow Cities, Ingress, these kind of games, but... Uh, and that's you know,
2: more, like, it, it, it's more phone-centric than,
1: like, activity-centric. And those are also, you know, um, we like to say they're location-based gaming, but we like to say we're, like, hyper-local. So, you know, taking Ingress as an example, it's two teams across the world, and... That works great when you can have enough players across the entire world to make it interesting, but we're really more interested in games that you can play with your friends or people at work, people who are physically around you as opposed to just you know two teams across the world trying to do some sort of stats game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that I'm against it, I'm an avid ingress player, so don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, you know it is it's a very different problem Sure. So I, I imagine the whole
0: uh, settings tweaking. That basically, it's just going to be a, on a game or app by app basis. Uh, since there'll be a lot of different people making the games, if they have it supported to allow you to change rules or whatnot, then that's that's dictated by the the creators. Correct. That's correct. okay. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh so the Kickstarter's coming up uh pretty soon here. Obviously, you don't have anything uh you know, totally nailed down yet. We've got a couple of weeks. Uh, is there any particular uh prize or not prizes, or not prizes. Uh any backer rewards that you're particularly excited about besides just, you know, getting the product into people's hands?
1: Yeah, actually there is. So, you know, both Mark, uh, who's my co-founder and I are are just in general big fans of you know, connectivity of devices, and, and we're both very excited about this sort of Internet of Things and all, all the new stuff that's coming out. So one of the tiers, we're actually, so besides Google Glass, uh, which are the, Google's augmented reality glasses, Epson has uh, a set of augmented reality glasses that we are working with, and we're actually going to be demoing at CES, running with the Epson augmented reality glasses with Assassin. And so we're going to have discounted, uh, those glasses you'll be able to buy as a Kickstarter reward uh, at a discounted price from their normal retail price. And we're really excited to be able to find people who are looking to sort of embrace the future and, and be able to see what augmented reality is all about and actually play a game using something like an augmented reality system. And so we're hoping that 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 gets people very excited and that's something that we're really excited about. It it's. Uh, You know, it's pretty neat that every day I get to put on glasses that I can see through and it's rendering cool stuff over my eyes at the same time, so it it seems very sci-fi, so it's a a nice place to be at. Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) That
0: does. I want to have a HUD. Like, I've never seen the use of Google Glass, but now I can play like a full first-person shooter outdoors and have, like, Radar and stuff.
1: Yes. Yes. I've always wanted a HUD. That's, that's I. the greatest thing ever. I'm really excited now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the thing is, you know, I have one sitting right next to me as we're talking right here. So it, it is cool stuff. It, and in general, I mean, just the possibilities when you start thinking about how you can add games to all of these things. So imagine you, you have, uh, if you guys know the Sphero, which is a remote-controlled ball, you uh, with something like that, you know, we're going to be able to integrate all this gameplay. So you could use that as a remote-controlled grenade that you would sort of wheel around the corner to whoever your opponent is and be able to kill them remotely. I mean, these are the kind of gameplay possibilities that get opened up when you start using this whole concept of the Internet of Things for gaming as opposed to, you know, hey, my refrigerator is now on the Internet. That's, you know, great. <laughs> right. Not really all that interesting. <laughs> so, you, you know, when you start imagining the possibilities of having you know, all these devices talking to each other and you can make the real world your your gaming arena. It, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm I excited just talking about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That is really cool. Actually, last week, uh, we were talking to a, a gentleman who's they're, they're making the uh, haptic feedback vest. So just all oh, this that- stuff coming together, like it's the future is gonna be great. <laughs> yes, yes, it is.
2: That is fantastic. Well, uh, Brian, do you have anything else before we uh, head into the end game? Where's my future with the flying car? Why why can't somebody get on that like they're getting on crazy vests? It's and it, awesome it's not makeups.
0: 2015 yet. We oh, we still God. have next year, and hoverboards too. And we'll get there. It's, it's going to be okay.
2: All right, all right. As long as we'll get there. No, no, I'm good <laughs> with, with questions here. We can go on to the end game if we're ready. All right, I'm, I'm good. So, all right, cool. Take it away. So, um, yeah, so we like to end things with a little bit of a questionnaire. Um, they get a little crazy. Ask little things that are, these are more personal in nature, uh, not necessarily light shot related. Okay. If you want to work in, in, you know, that's up to you. Right. Um, but we'll go ahead and we'll just jump right into it. Um, first question uh, Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Video game
1: protagonist? Huh.
2: Good I guy, could... anti hero.
1: Yeah, see, I have. uh, I I, I, I'm gonna have to go with it's kind of a weird one, uh, Sinistar, uh, just because anything that I love the Sinistar's voice. If you guys know this, uh, it's an arcade game that came out uh, around in the same era as sort of Defender and Robotron and Joust and all these. And it's it's not a particularly well known game, but it was kind of like sort of like Asteroids, where you're flying around in a spaceship, but then there's this evil thing the Sinistar who ends up chasing you and it was one of the first talking games and so when the Sinistar starts talking it still sort of strikes fear and apprehension in 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 my heart and so I actually went in and I actually own a Sinistar arcade machine uh because I like the voice that much so I think for for I I would have to say Sinistar
2: I'm looking that up right now because I do not recognize that and that does (laughs) look kind of kind of crazy
1: yeah, you got to listen to the audio samples. When you when you hear Sinistar telling you that he's hungry, uh, it really just makes your heart heartbeat go up. <laughs> I like that. Okay, uh, next question.
2: Flipping that coin. Who's your favorite antagonist?
1: Uh, oh. antagonist. I guess I would have to. I guess I answered that last question wrong because Sinistar is kind of like the antagonist. Sorry, uh, he's hungry. It, it's yeah.
2: I'll take now you just gotta answer. Now you just gotta come up with the second one. Yeah, now I gotta come up with a second one. Huh?
0: Hmm. That's uh sinister. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, I'll erase that. It won't be in the podcast. Anyway.
2: <laughs> you just filed your own joke. I appreciate that. That's good. That's
1: <laughs> favorite antagonist huh? Yeah, I'm sort of having trouble with this one. See, I'm 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 stuck with my sinist, stu- stupid Sinistar answer now. So maybe I'll have to answer the protagonist for this one instead. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I would say the. Uh, do you remember there's a game on the Commodore sixty four called Impossible Mission and. Uh, the character in that always reminded me of Han Solo and Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character so I'm gonna go with him even though this is a reverse answer so <laughs> yeah, that, that works. works
2: definitely do that yeah alright so we've got the, man we're we're taking gaming back here this is great impossible <laughs> mission Mich- you know he looks a lot like Han Solo yeah he does yeah okay I never you're you're schooling me here I'd never heard of either of those and that's fantastic yeah,
1: I like, like sometimes turn out the weird games. Uh, you know, that, that's not to say that I'm not. Uh, I also play lots of current games, but you know, when you can customize your own character, it's kind of a little difficult for me to explain that that is my favorite character. So I had to kind of go back to when you didn't have a choice in these things.
2: No, sure. absolutely, I, I mean, when honestly, when compared to Sinistar, it's like you know what? What does anybody else hold up? <laughs> that that evil grinning silver face. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Next question. Um what would be your what what would be a theme in video, a theme or kind of a trope in video games today that you'd like to see um continue forward or or maybe come
1: more to the uh to the forefront. You know, I the, the theme that I'm actually really excited about is I really liked I like this in both Dragon Age and the, the uh, Assassin's Creed. Um, the one where you're on a ship, Assassin's Creed Four. I'm trying to remember the Black, play. Black. Right, right, right. And both of those, I, I like the fact that I'm able to sort of play this game in a universe, but it also has a larger meta game. So both in Dragon Age, like in Assassin's Creed, you're trying to build up your sort of trading and pirate empire, and and I liked that aspect of the game. It it was sort of a it, it didn't feel tacked on, it wasn't really required, but it, it was actually very neat to be able to play it that way. And Dragon Age does a similar thing with the sort of larger map missions and trying uh, to... The war table, yeah. The war table, and and I, I like that, that more people are designing those sorts of things into their games. I, I like that quite a bit. It really makes the universe feel stronger. I mean, Grand Theft Auto does the same thing. Uh, clearly, I think that that was probably in the... Probably the the first ones to do it most, you know, in in this recent generation of games, but I would like having that sort of where I am a little bit more in control of the universe while still maintaining that story, as opposed to it's just a story or it's just a meta game. Absolutely, yeah. Those those little things,
2: especially when they're done right, are um are really fantastic and they really add a lot. And I was really surprised by uh, uh the Dragon Age one, especially with the War Table where. Um, doing it like the first couple of times, I I'm kind of an I'm an MMO player, so I'm used to seeing a body of text and searching for keywords, and then making a decision and moving forward. You know, you need to be able to kill 14 lions and just take their tongues. That's fine. Um, but with that, I found that a, a lot of that actually uh, they kind of fed into each other. So there was there was one where you were trying to choose the ruler of some nation, and you started out with a choice of three, and so I just randomly picked one. And then found out that the next one kind of led into that, and it was like, well, based on your choice, I was like, oh, hold on a second, I didn't read anything. What just happened? Right. Um, so I, I really, that kind of stuff, and I like I like when they build it like a, a right like that.
1: And um, I I also like that they have like when you have to choose between the Templars and the Mages, and they only let you pick one of them, and you you cannot possibly pick two. You I can't like, go back. Right and and I like games where the decisions actually have consequences because you know you play some games and it's like you can have the good answer or the evil answer to any dialogue, but then the end of the game is exactly the same, regardless of whether you played as a completely evil character or a completely good character, and that to me makes the dialogue choices very meaningless and I, I like that they, they're actually putting consequences on these with various endings. And I know the work that is involved in doing it right is, is I, I know how much work is involved in it, so I, I certainly appreciate it from that perspective as well. But, you know, it, it, it makes the games more interesting.
2: hmm No argument here. Um, flipping the coin on the last question, um, what's the theme or trope that you'd like to see just go away?
1: Uh, you know... I really I like first person shooters. Um, I have to say that I've been struggling to really get into any of the ones that are primarily a multiplayer experience, um, where there will be some sweet spot where I'm good enough and the other people are about my level where I can have fun and then at some point either people are way, way better than me or it's all kind of noobs and it's not really that much fun anymore. Mm-hmm. and. I I have to say I really wish that even in the first person shooters that they, they would they would do a little bit more of a single player experience so that I get out of something out of it if if I don't like the people I keep parent getting paired with um, and and so you know I I understand why that there's a hardcore audience for it but um, you know that, that's something that that I wish to see a little bit less of.
2: <laughs> yep. Um, next question uh is there um you know obviously you're you you started out with video games at 17 um it it is kind of a dream job um is there anything else you uh you'd ever consider trying is there any other any other dream you'd like to chase
1: uh being a professional helicopter pilot would be very cool neat why helicopters So I've always had quite a bit of interest in in aircraft in general, and so I was one of those kids that wanted to get my pilot's license very early on. But I kind of never got over the, like, I don't really know what I would do with a regular pilot's license. And then (laughs) a friend of mine got me a ride in a helicopter, and we were flying around, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was, like, looking at all the stuff on the ground, and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. And he goes, okay, we'll stop. And we stopped in a hover, and I was staring at whatever it was that I'd, you know, been looking at. And I was like, okay, now this is actually cool. You know, going from point A to point B, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. But being able to just kind of stop and tool around and say, hey, like, you know, there's something weird. Let's go fly over there and hang out for a while and see what it looks like. That to me was very cool. So that inspired me to go get my helicopter license. So I'm actually a, a licensed helicopter pilot. And I, if I could get paid to do that, that would be an awesome job. <laughs> Um, That's
2: fantastic. That's really cool and I really you could you could hear the 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 smile on your face when you're talking
1: about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really great. Okay, okay, next question. This is going to get a little weird. Have you seen this and this is a preamble to the question. Have okay. you seen um John Carpenter's Escape from LA? Uh it's been a while, but yes. Okay, good. Good. Now At the end of that movie, Snake Plissken, uh, our kind of hero, uh, comes into possession a a remote control that um, controls all the government satellites uh, covering the globe, which, uh, you know, when activated, will send us back into the Stone Age with huge EMP pulses. Um, Given that premise, you find out that that's happening tomorrow. What game do you play tonight?
1: Ooh. I would probably just Robotron,
2: straight up Robotron.
1: Yeah, yeah. That 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 is a game that that uh, I never get tired of, and and I feel like when we rebuild society, we're not going to rebuild the things that were from the past, and so you know, bringing back old arcade machines isn't going to happen, <laughs> and, and and so I think that, that would be yeah, I I, I could. I could probably play that game for a day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, final so, question: so If, if uh-huh. when this happens, I haven't finished Dragon Age, it would be uh, it, it, it'll be a close match between those two. <laughs> <laughs> I might just rush through the story missions just to know what happens.
2: Yep, it it ends. It, it's 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 a good story. <laughs> uh, final question. Um at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the mushroom kingdom and toad is there with the book of our deeds uh what
1: would you like him to say to you before he goes in, before he lets you in? If he compliments me on a game that I've worked on, that would make me very very happy
2: would you would you like to see a game that you worked on um in the in the mushroom kingdom arcade next to a Robotron cabinet?
1: <laughs> that that would be that would be awesome. Um Yeah, that that would definitely be uh I guess I can't say the high point of my life.
2: <laughs> that's alright. That's alright. The high point going into the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well that's it. You passed. Uh fantastic job. Uh the rest of the interview was great too. Um Jonathan, <laughs> take us out.
0: Well, Tom, thank you so much for uh, for sitting down with us tonight and talking about LightShot. If you could just send us out by letting
1: our listeners know where they can go to find out more. All right. Well, if you're interested in LightShot, you can go to www.lightshot.com, which is spelled L-Y-T-E-S-H-O-T.com. And support us on our Kickstarter, January 6th. Alright, well, thank you once
0: again And good luck with the uh, the Kickstarter coming up I hope you hit it out of the park And it just goes famously So,
1: yeah well, Thanks a lot guys, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon
0: Absolutely Have a good night